Let There Be Light. From Flashbangs and Frag Grenades. By Calchexis. Read by Sam Gabriel. Based on League of Legends by Riot Games. Chapter 6 Context The meeting ran hours longer than Renata had wanted it to, but at the same time it hadn't gone quite as long as she had expected. The barons had been surprisingly willing to work with her plan. It helped that Carvick and Margot had been in on it from the start. Karina had been a wild card, but she'd fallen in line when push came to shove, as Renata had expected. Truthfully, the biggest issue hadn't been any of the other barons. It had always been Jinx. Whether or not Jinx would play along with the plan had never been a given. She had considered trying to arrange it beforehand, but discarded the idea almost immediately after she'd had it. Jinx was many things, but she wasn't an actress. No, her reaction had to be sincere. If the other barons, Petrox, Saito, and Karina especially, had gotten even a whiff of confusion— that would likely have been that. The rebellion might very well have been stillborn. Margot had been the last to bow herself out, lingering only to speak in hushed tones to Jinx very briefly before leaving. What they had to speak of, Renata had no idea, and frankly, she was too tired and in too much pain to care. She was breathing through her teeth now, her nerves a constant orchestra of agony starting at her shoulder where metal met flesh, radiating through her like electric fire in her veins. A gentle hand took hold of her mask and slipped it free, and Renata flicked her gaze down to Seraphine, who was sitting up and looking almost as tired as she felt. Well, Renata asked, did you do as I asked? Of course I did, Seraphine replied, and her voice was dry, thin, and raspy. I've never used my magic for that long, though. I'm exhausted. Get used to it. I suspect there will be a great deal more exhaustion than good sleep in the coming months, Renata said. Still, she reached out to the small alcove underneath the conference table near the arm of her seat and withdrew a glass, set it down, then reached in deeper and pulled out a decanter of glacier water from the frail yard. Renata poured a generous amount of it, took a swallow, then refilled the glass and pressed it into Seraphine's hands. Drink. Thank you, Seraphine whispered as she took it and sipped gratefully at the cool liquid. You are welcome, Renata said before turning to the newly risen chemlord and her wife, saying, Jinx, a moment of your time, please. Jinx looked up. There were shadows under her eyes, and the look on her face suggested that she did not, in fact, want to give Renata a moment of her time in any amount or increment. Before she could say whatever unwise thing was surely on the tip of her tongue, though, Lux put a hand on her shoulder and gave it a gentle squeeze. Fine, Jinx mumbled. But I'm about this close to blowing a hole in the nearest wall on principle, Glask. I didn't sign up for six-hour-long meetings with the third shittiest group of people on the planet. While I do have a few extremely important topics to touch on before you leave, I find myself desperately curious as to who the second 
shittiest group of people on the planet is, since I can only assume the first is the Piltoven Council, Renata said flatly. Never been to Damasia? <sighs> Renata gave an agreeing nod, then said, Firstly, I wanted to thank you for not making my gambit a complete waste of time and effort. That was very kind of you. Jinx raised an eyebrow, then said, Thank Blondie, because I was going to say no. Then thank you, Lady Light, Renata said, turning to Lux. I truly appreciate your even-handed temper. Lux nodded. I know how these things go, she said. But I didn't tell Jinx to accept because of you. I did it because I know for a fact that she can lead us to victory, don't you? Did she? That was a question that not even Renata was certain she could answer with full confidence. I think that if we are going to achieve victory, she said carefully, that it will only come with Jinx at the head of this fledgling nation. How very politic of you, Buck said wryly. It was the bare truth, though. Jinx was not anyone's preconception of a leader, but she was a Zonite, born and bred, and, unlike the rest of the Kembarans, Jinx had lived most of her life on the streets. She understood the nature of the city better than anyone except perhaps Renata herself. In fact, privately, Renata had always wondered if it might be the other way around. One might argue that if Zahn had ever truly had a living incarnation, a kind of genius loci of the spirit of Zahn, then it would almost certainly look like Jinx. I'm going to be blunt with you both, Renata said after a moment as she laid her hand over Seraphine's shoulder and the young singer stirred sleepily. I expect nothing more from you than to be an appropriately shiny figurehead. If ruling this nation is your worry, then worry not. I and the other Kembarans can do most of the heavy lifting. Your job is more public relations. You want me to keep the proles in line? Jinx asked blandly. More or less, Renata replied. The people of Zahn ultimately tolerate the cruelty of the barons because we are stronger than them, and strength equals authority in Zahn. You, on the other hand, are still seen as one of them. Once that had been true of Renata, but she had sacrificed that version of herself a long time ago on the altar of vengeance. You were and are still the gutter-snipe revolutionary that killed the Piltoven Council, saved Billowa, and struck resounding blows against Piltover, Demacia, and Noxus alike. You are a uniting symbol of defiance for the disparate peoples of Zon to rally around, and we desperately need that if we are going to have even a shadow of a chance to win this fucking war. Do you understand that? Jinx pulled her jacket straight and glowered at Renata for a moment before saying, I get it, but get this. She leaned in close to Renata. I don't care what your plans are. I'm going to do what I always did, and that's whatever I want. Got it? I want to freeze on, so I'm going to do it. I want to win this war, so I'm going to do that, too. If you help me, fantastic. But if you get in my way, I'll blow you to pieces and walk over your steamy chunks. 
A smile tugged at the corner of Renata's mouth, and she nodded. Then we have an accord, I think, she said with no small amusement. Thirdly, tell me, do you really have those maps? Yeah, Jinx said. What of it? Nothing. I'm just surprised, Renata admitted. I'm not often surprised anymore. Silco really was a mastermind, but you're something completely different. You're right, Lux said, stepping over to Jinx's side. She's my wife, and she's more incredible than even you could possibly imagine. Renata sighed, then massaged her temple as she said, I certainly hope that you're right, Lady Light, because we are going to need every single edge that we can get if we're going to come out of this on top. Her plans were sped up significantly by the existence of those maps. Even she only had partials, copied or outright stolen from various Piltoven file rooms over the years, and those had been woefully outdated. If Jinx had actual maps, and more importantly if she'd kept them up to date, then that gave them an advantage over Piltover that not even Camille Pharos could possibly have foreseen. Information was power, and those maps represented a wealth of information. Almost as important as the information that she had hopefully acquired from this meeting, only a very small number of people in the world had even a rudimentary grasp of Seraphine's magic after all. Thank you for being as agreeable as you have been, Renata said. Regarding your scrap and salvage needs, send an itemized list to me with Chuck, and I'll liaise with the other barons to ensure it's fulfilled. Jinx's expression softened, and she rubbed awkwardly at the back of her head before saying, Ah, uh, yeah, sure, and thanks, I guess. This shit was going to be dicey if I had to try to do it on my own. We're all in this together, Jinx, Renata said blithely. One big, dysfunctionally homicidal family. Oh, good, so we fit right in, Lux chirped with that charmingly sunny smile of hers. If Renata didn't already know what kind of psychosis lay behind it, it might have been disarming. As it was, it was just disturbing. Is there anything else? Nothing crucial, Renata replied wearily. My people will contact you with the next meeting time. Now, if you would be so kind as to get the fuck out of my spire, I would be truly grateful. Lux cut a formal bow, dragging Jinx into a halting mockery of one as she did, then stood, gave Seraphine a nod, and the pair of them saw themselves out. Renata waited for a full sixty count to be sure they were gone before sitting up. Seraphine stood obediently as she did, removing herself from Renata's lap while Renata forced herself to straighten. The pain was getting worse. She'd resisted the urge to suck in a breath of shine during the meeting, concerned that the high might affect her judgment, and now she was paying the price. You're hurting, Seraphine said, rather than asked. I'm fine, Renata replied sharply. Then she took a step and abruptly realized that she was not fine. Her right leg buckled the moment she put weight on it, and pain erupted from her spine down to her toes as she dropped to a knee. And Seraphine was at her side in an instant. I'm fine, Renata bit out. You're not. 
Seraphine brushed a hand over her brow, sweeping her hair from her eyes. I know you're in pain. I can feel it. You can't push yourself like this. Renata shook her head. I can and I must, she said. The pain is temporary and it will pass by morning. Then you need to rest. Later. Now, Seraphine snapped. You won't get any work done like this. And you're just going to make mistakes if you try. We're getting you to bed. It was almost comical, seeing Seraphine try to maneuver under her to lever her up off the floor. Comical enough that Renata decided not to take Seraphine's little show of defiance personally. The truth was that she was right. If she tried to get any of the sensitive work that needed doing done in her condition, she'd be liable to make an error. Enough so that she'd just end up going over it with a fine-toothed comb when she was feeling better. Renata shrugged Seraphine off the moment she was upright and scowled down at the younger woman. I am not an invalid, and I have said it twice now that I am fine. You're an excellent liar, Renata Glask, but not to me, Seraphine said, standing tall despite her petite stature. I just spent the last several hours humming under my breath so I could read the souls of everyone in that room. Did you really think I couldn't feel your pain, too? Of course she had felt it. That was the nature of her magic, after all. As near as Renata was able to determine, Seraphine's power was not the sort that could be easily focused, if at all. It was sound and magic. And the sound was magic itself, regardless of if anyone could hear it. Renata gave Seraphine a flat look for a moment before snatching the rebreather from her hands and turning on her heel to stalk away. Seraphine fell in behind her, doggedly persistent. You are free to return to your room, Renata said without looking back. I'm making sure you get to yours first, she replied. I don't want to hear about you collapsing in the hall. Renata scoffed out a small laugh. Really? I should think such a thing would bring you nothing but satisfaction. Not everyone is as cruel as you are, Renata, and you would do well to remember that, Seraphine countered. I don't want you dead. They came to a halt at the elevator, and Renata flicked her gaze over her shoulder at Seraphine before saying, You'll forgive me if I find that claim to be a touch suspect, given how often you've threatened to kill me, kitten. Being willing to doesn't mean that I want to, Seraphine said as the elevator doors hissed open and she followed Renata inside. Nor does it mean you do not want to, Renata replied as she punched in the code for the master residency floor, then stepped back, turned to Seraphine and caught that delicate chin in her fingers to tip the singer's head up. Pretend to grace with the rest of the city. But do not lie to me. I am an old killer kitten, so I know what it means to end a life. Being willing to kill means a part of you wants it. And I do not doubt that part of you wants me dead. I know how deep your anger runs. Seraphine's small hand closed around Renata's wrist. And I know how deeply you secretly care, she said. 
She jabbed a finger against Renata's chest. No one can. You can hide it under as much mindless cruelty as you want, but I know how much you're hurting. And I'm not talking about your arm. So don't insult me by pretending to be some heartless monster. Fake it with everyone else if you want to, but you can't fool me. She jabbed a finger against Renata's chest. No one can. For a moment, that old rage boiled up from her heart and into her veins, and she was tempted to teach the young upstart exactly what it meant to speak so boldly. Then the moment passed, and she was just... tired. Suddenly, it was all just too much effort. Renata dropped her hand and turned away. Her body felt leaden, and all at once it was as though the whole of her mind and effort was taken up just keeping her feet under her. The day had been long and wearisome, but hadn't been the longest nor the weariest. <sighs> but she had been younger in those days. The elevator doors slid open and she stepped outside without a word, and Seraphine had to jog to keep up with her strides. Renata, Renata, wait. Damn it, wait for me. She didn't wait. Her mind was muddled with pain and exhaustion. For the millionth time, she considered taking a breath of shine. It would take the edge off, but it would also make it impossible for her to sleep. It would hurt her more than it would help. She had told Seraphine that shine was far less addictive than Shimmer had been, and that was true but it was still addictive for all that. Even diluted, it was deliciously potent. Renata had bargained herself into that addiction because she had deemed the power it gave her to be a better-than-fair trade. But it was still addiction for all that. Renata slammed open the door to her master's suite, pulled off her jacket, and tossed it onto the coat stand as she passed it. Her tie went next, and it got tossed to the floor. She didn't care where it went. All she cared about was sleep. Renata! Scowling, Renata turned to glare down at Seraphine and said, What? I'm going to bed as you requested, and you can plainly see I've not collapsed in the hall. What more do you want from me? Go to your room, kitten. Is it so hard to believe that I'm worried about you? She asked. No, Renata replied flatly as she put her back to Seraphine and began undoing the buttons of her top. You worry about everyone and everything to a fault, my dear. I can't imagine you'd treat me any different. Seraphine shook her head with a small snort of annoyance. You are completely insufferable. Do you know that? And yet you suffer me even when you need not, Renata said as she shrugged her top off, and a sharp intake of breath came from behind her, which Renata ignored as she reached behind herself to unclasp her bra. And I'm going to continue undressing for bed, whether you are here or not, so if your delicate sensibilities are offended, I suggest What you happened to you? Seraphine asked softly. 
Renata looked over her shoulder to find Seraphine wasn't blushing or looking away. In fact, she was staring at Renata's back, arm, and shoulders. They were broad, heavy with muscle from her years of hard labor in her youth, and sculpted later with purpose into tools of pain and survival. That wasn't what had drawn Seraphine's eyes, though, obviously not. It was the scars. What precisely did you expect? She asked as she began working at the buckle of her trousers. I was not born a Kembaron, nor was I favored with a childhood spent topside. Her chemhanced regeneration meant that she rarely scarred anymore, but she had no shortage of such things from before the treatments were taken. She hadn't looked at her own back in some time, but she imagined that very little had changed. It was certainly still a cross-hatched patchwork of pale, ridged lines raised from her dark skin. I... I know that, Seraphine said quietly. But seeing it... Perhaps you imagined my hatred of Piltover to be irrational. But understand that my childhood was spent under the eye of Piltoven overseers. Not Kembarens, she said. I labored in a smelting hall where each of us had to meet a specific threshold of productivity to satisfy the predictive calculus of our masters. Renata pulled her belt free and dropped it to the floor. If we did not meet quota, then we were whipped, then put back to work. And we often did not meet quota. She stalked over to her bed, sat down, pulled off her shoes, then threw them aside as well, and her silk socks joined them a moment later. Then she stood and let her trousers fall to pull at her feet before sitting back down. Still, Seraphine didn't look away. Her eyes traced over the hundreds of scars she had collected. And did I ever tell you how I lost this arm? Renata asked, raising her prosthetic. I... Come here, kitten. Renata beckoned with her metal hand, and Seraphine hesitated for once. Her slender throat bobbed as she swallowed thickly, and Renata waited for a three-count before saying that was not a request. Seraphine nodded faintly, walked over, and allowed Renata to pull her down to sit on her knee, then squeaked again as she was pulled against the older woman's bare chest. Renata held her prosthetic out in display, turning it this way and that as she said, my parents were brilliant alchemists. They were good people. I imagine you would have liked them. They bent their minds to the production of healing elixirs. They only ever charged what their patients could afford, even if that was nothing at all. They were renowned for their charitable works and their goodness. Really? Seraphine looked up at her in disbelief. Really? Renata confirmed. Now tell me, what do you think the great and good 
of piltover thought of these altruistic fisher folk, who treated illnesses that some topside chirurgeon might have charged a literal arm and leg to address, but for a handful of coppers. Unsurprisingly, Seraphine didn't respond. I was thirteen years old when a group of paid-off enforcers came to our home and burned it to the ground, Renata said. I watched my father burn to death in his laboratory, and I lost my arm trying and failing to pull my mother from the wreckage. She lowered her prosthetic and looked down at Seraphine who was staring up at her with tear-stained eyes. I watched my family and my home burn to satisfy some faceless oligarch's bottom line. I'm, I'm sorry, I, Seraphine sobbed. I, I didn't. That should have killed me. But it didn't because I did not allow it to, Renata continued. I swore to rise from that shell of a girl. So I indentured myself to a house Bolbach for the price of a cheap replacement arm. The surgery was amateur and unanesthetized because it was all I could afford. She closed her eyes and blew out a breath and said, You cannot possibly imagine the pain. Why are you context, kitten? Renata said sharply. It's always about context. You worry about me, but I am fine. I have been fine for decades, and I will continue to be fine. She caught Seraphine's face in her grasp, looked down at her, and said, Now if you want me to be happy... Then I suggest that you give up hope, because I will be happy only when my work is finally done and no sooner. Are we clear? Seraphine nodded as much as Renata's grip permitted her to. Letting her go, Renata sighed, displaced Seraphine as she stood, then walked over to the left side of the bed before sitting back down and saying, I assume that since you have not informed me of such, there are no active traitors amongst the barons, yes? Swallowing hard again, Seraphine shook her head. Not yet, she said. Petrock is wavering, I think. He hates drinks and he hates you, but... He's more afraid of you than he is of Piltover. That might change, though. What of Aramis? You need to sleep, Renata, Seraphine said, rather than answer. There's nothing that can't wait until the morning. I will sleep when I am dead, kitten. Renata bit out. Now tell me what your song pulled from the grease-caked heartstrings of Aramis. Seraphine pressed her lips to a thin line, then moved to Renata's side and began unfastening her prosthetic arm. Aramis knows that Piltover would eat him alive. He's loyal because he's a coward. He won't betray, but he might try to run. 
Karina. The prosthetic came free with a pneumatic hiss, and Seraphine set it carefully aside before walking over to the end table. Pernverazza is the hardest to read. She's like a soft wind section, but she's loyal for now, I think, she said as she drew out the cleaning kit from the drawer, returned to Renata's side, and began running a soft, oiled cloth across the linking shoulder cuff, wiping away blood and chemical medium. She thinks Jinx is a good bet, I'm certain of that, she's also afraid. Though not so much of you as of Lux, I think. Saito? Seraphine shook her head. There's nothing in his heart but greed and ambition. But he hates Piltover because they look down on him. His pride won't stand for it. All of which matched with the information her spies had provided to her along with her own reads on the people in question. But Renata had not reached the heights that she had by being complacent. Seraphine's magic was ill-understood even by the woman herself. Renata knew even less about it. She knew that Seraphine was able to sense and even influence the hearts of others to an extent, though, and she would be the greatest of fools not to put such a valuable talent to use. With Seraphine at her side, she would never be lied to again without being made aware of it. Every betrayal could be predicted, and the directions of the Baron's souls could be divined. All for the price of a song. Good, Renard replied. Now leave me. Seraphine didn't leave. Instead, she set the cleaning supplies aside, pulled herself up, and pressed her lips gently to Renata's cheek. They were the softest things that she had ever felt. Like sun-warmed silk brushing over her bare skin, but made more so by the beat of life. Even if you can't be happy, Seraphine said as she drew back. That doesn't mean you have to be miserable. I don't want you to be miserable, Renata. Who are you to dictate my misery? Renata hissed. Seraphine sighed, then moved closer and threw her arms over Renata before burying her face against the broad expanse of her shoulder and neck. What happened to your parents wasn't your fault, Seraphine said. And Renata froze. You were just a child, it wasn't your fault. Bile rose in the back of her throat and a tremor ran through Renata's body as she hissed, Get out! The blade's edge of her tone must have snapped open some well of fear in Seraphine because she sat up and backed up and said, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I didn't- Get out! Renata roared as she gripped Seraphine's arm and threw her to the ground. Seraphine scrambled away with a gutted look on her face as she stumbled backward to the door, only to stop there and say, It wasn't your fault, Renata. And you don't deserve to die because of it. Before Renata could reply, Seraphine was gone, slamming the door behind her and leaving Renata to swear viciously as she stood. She knocked the box of supplies from the bed with a hard, furious backhand, sending the cleaning paraphernalia scattering across the floor. 
In a rage, she stormed over to her desk, ripped open a drawer, pulled out her pistol, and... She stared down at it hatefully, her finger trembling as it found the trigger. She stared at it as she had spent so, so many other nights staring at it. When the ghosts of her past, the constant agony of her present, and the bleak emptiness of her future had suddenly loomed. It wasn't your fault. Wretched girl. Renata spat as she threw her pistol back onto the table and turned away to prowl back to her room. She stopped and stood silently in front of the empty bed for a long moment, staring at the blankets and covers. Then slowly hung her head and pressed her palm to her face. This was going to be a long war. The text of this story is available on AO3. Music by Dot Matrix. If you would like me to record a story, voice over a character, get in touch using the contact information available on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as a link to my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>